Wicked Deep is not an ordinary podcast about dating. Let's Get Wicked Deep is a dating podcast where tough questions are asked and honest answers are given. It's a place to begin meaningful conversations and lasting impressions. Let's Get Wicked Deep, a healthy dating resource. Welcome to another episode of Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast. On today's show, I'm switching it up just a little tiny bit. We're going to kind of veer a little bit away from dating relationships, and we're just going to talk about life in general and how your past does not always have to define your future. And no matter what you've kind of been through in either your younger years or young adult sort of thing, that you can always change the projection of your future. So in order to have this show today, I'm really excited because I stumbled upon uh, the amazing Eric Allen. He is the host of the uh, Eric Allen Show, the top-rated MMA. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. You are so welcome. I was scrolling through social media one day, and I saw all this information about you, and you seem to have like gone through so much in your life, and you have turned everything around. So tell us a little bit about your past and kind of like, and, and how all this happened for you. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the typical household, right? I played Little League, went to Sunday school. My dad would take my best friend Dave and I and, you know, throw us some big dumpsters behind big stores and say, go treasure hunting. You know, that's that was the typical week for us. And then uh, when I was 11, year old, 11 years old, my parents got divorced and quickly got together with other people. And the, the man that my mom got together with was um, very physically abusive and alcoholic pretty much right away. You know, I remember standing outside of their bedroom when they were arguing one day and, you know, he was like hitting her in the head with a cordless phone back when those were around, you know, and, you know, we called the police many, many times. My mom never pressed charges. And then when I was, uh, after my, uh, the middle of my eighth grade year, my mom and her boyfriend and then my sister, and they had a son together who was just a few months old, uh, decided to move us to Stevensville, Montana, population 1200 people. And they, you know, rented this house on five acres, beautiful property. The problem was that house had three bedrooms. It was, it was one for them, one for my little brother who was a couple months old or a few months old. And then my sister, and they said, Eric, you live in a garage. And uh, literally had a plastic tarp at the end of my foot of the bed that separated my bed from the truck. And I had a fireplace on my half of the garage, but, you know, in Montana gets negative degrees and, you know, you get that fire going, but it's going to go out in the middle of the night. So I remember just freezing most nights uh, during the winter. And, you know, they came home arguing, you know, one night when I was 13 years old, really didn't think anything of it because it was the same old thing. And as I was brushing my teeth, I felt it, I feel like it was God saying, hey, man, you got to turn around. And as I turned around, the way the house was set up was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where I stayed. And, you know, I saw him on top of my mom, just boom, 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 one shot after the other. And I thought, man, I got to get this guy off her. And so I went up and I grabbed a cast iron pan that was in the cupboard behind him. And I swung as hard as I could and I split the back of his head open. And he turned around and he said, what the, and as he said that, I took another swing and split his forehead open and he was so drunk that it did not knock him out and didn't knock him out. But I remember, you know, I fell over on that second swing and he was standing over me yelling. And as he was yelling, my mom jumped up and lands like six punches in a row. Blood hits the wall behind us. You know, cops come, take him away to jail for the night. My mom never pressed charges. And I was actually kicked out of the house after that. I had three months left in my freshman year of high school. So I just bounced around from friends' houses for the next two months. Wow. That pretty much led me down a path of destruction for the next 10 years. 
Yeah, I bet. I bet it does. I mean, it's it's kind of incredible how when we have somebody who's being physically abused in that way and they don't press charges, which is something we see time and time again. So that's that's a horrible thing as a child to experience that in itself. And then, of course, all the other stuff. So then so then what happened from there? So I moved back to live with my dad in Washington state and he rented a house uh, for, you know, rent for him and I, he would put hunger man meals in the freezer, cereal milk in the fridge and put 20 bucks in the cup for my lunch money for the week. And the problem is he would go stay with this girlfriend. So I would see my dad a few times a month. And so I had no adult supervision, no accountability. You know, I got back to high school and, you know, met some great guys that were still some of my friends today. And, um, Unfortunately, we got into drugs pretty early. So I started smoking pot. I was doing acid and mushrooms and, you know, buying a $2.50 bottle of Robitussin DM at the store because it would give me the same feeling as taking acid, but it was half the cost, you know, and um, 18 years old, got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington now, but in 1998, it was not. And so I had to go to jail, black and white chain gang outfit on, you know, 24 hours in jail, scariest day ever. And um, got out, I was a year on probation. And so instead of smoking pot for the next year, I turned to alcohol. So I really drank quite a bit. And that kind of led me down a more path of really heavy drinking. I got kicked out two weeks after I graduated high school. I woke up to a note that said, you have 48 hours to get out. And so between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times between couches and friends and second cousins of friends and uh, made the move to Seattle with a hundred bucks in my pocket and survived and, and made it into the music business, which was always a dream of mine. I don't know how to play anything. I just wanted to be part of it. And so I worked for Universal Records. But what that did was that gave me two to three concerts a week that I was able to go to with an open tab. So it didn't help my addictions at all, being backstage and drinking with bands and, you know, stuff like that. So here I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, still partying it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, just really bad with money. No one told me about, you know, money being bad. So at 21 years old, I filed bankruptcy because I was $28,000 in debt. And uh, yeah, just a, a lost human being at that age. It sounds like it. It sounds like you were definitely a lost human being, but you're talking and, and I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's like, you've been through at this, at, to this point in your life, you've been through like so much stuff and the way you're saying it sounds like a story. So, and people can hear this and be like, oh, wow, this person's been through a lot. But what I'm wondering is, and I'm sure this story gets, you know, even probably even more complex, sure. but like, can you talk a little bit about if you even remember like the lowest feeling, like the lowest, like feeling, if you could describe like that and like put that into words and how that was for you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was brutal. So being in the music business, like I said, always a dream of mine. And this was during the Napster days. People didn't really realize that affected the music business that much. And it, it did tremendously. So mm -hmm. I showed up every day for six months at Universal Records, didn't get paid, just went to the mailroom, started stuffing posters. And finally, they're like, hey, let's hire this guy. And so me getting hired on at the music business was like a dream come true. I was just a mailroom guy, but I was tracking sales. And then my one-year anniversary got laid off along with half the office because of Napster killing the music industry. So mm -hmm. I remember like being depressed I was working at night at Starbucks as a manager. And so I'd get off work. I'd go to the store, get a six pack of beer, get me a movie at Hollywood video and go to my ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. And um, that was probably the lowest that I was ever at. You know, like I never thought about suicide or anything like that, but I was definitely depressed and, you know, didn't have any friends. All, you know, just wanted to go drink myself to sleep every night. And 
yeah, so that was definitely a low point for me. Yeah, Napster absolutely killed the music industry. Napster was a terrible situation. That was, that was, I think if the people listeners who were around for Napster can kind of like, they can kind of understand a little bit as to what kind of damage that did. And then of course, and then you lose your job because of it. That must've been like really tough. It was, it, it sucked. Uh, you know, I, I was managing a band on top of that. So I was still kind of involved in music, uh, but it wasn't like the big shows, you know, that I was at and, and you know, um, we weren't doing like the, the big venues or, or stuff. And then, uh, you know, I, I, one night when I was working at Starbucks, this girl came in and she said, Hey, we got this cool college days event down at our church. Would you be interested in going, you know, me being depressed and me not having any friends and her very pretty girl. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go. Right. And so I got down there. There's all these weird connections. Like I knew these guys that I'd met at the church, like, um, that I knew from where I grew up. It was like, Whoa, I haven't seen you in 10 years, you know? So it was like these seeds were being planted and about a month later, it was Easter 2004 and I was managing the band. We went out and played a concert and the night before Easter and I woke up on Easter morning uh, surrounded by probably 15 guys that were all passed out. And I woke up early and I believe in that moment, I felt God say, man, you're done and you need to change your life. You're heading down the wrong path, a really bad destruction path and you need to change things. And so in that moment, I gave my life to Christ. Um, I said, God, whatever you need me to do, just take it away, take all the bad stuff away and, and let me get back on the right track. And so I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes in that moment. And I called that girl up and got her voicemail and said, hey, happy Easter. Hopefully I'll see you at Starbucks sometime. And uh, about a month later, we were dating and now she's been my wife for 16 plus years. Oh my gosh, I just got like this uh, full body chills. <laughs> <laughs> like Like the full thing because it's, you know, combination of like what you're saying, because I think a lot of people who are out here doing good for others have had a moment where or a few moments where they relied in a sense on God and said, you know, please help me. Like people don't understand, like, you know, you're at your complete lowest when you're begging God to help you. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's a very dark, dark place. Like I remember for myself, like when I was in my dark place and I asked God to help me, if you can help me survive this, yeah. then I'll do whatever I need to do. And since he did do that. I've been helping people with the stuff that I've been through. So I think it's, it's kind of amazing. And I love that you, um, that you guys got together and you got married. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. We found this out on our honeymoon, but like we were both born at exactly 1:41 PM documented on our birth certificates, different days, different years, but the exact same minute. Uh, so it's just kind of a fun connection that we have. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so funny. So do you feel like, now I'm going to talk a little bit, a tiny bit about relationships. Do you feel like the stuff you've been through, um, how did your childhood and growing up and your young adulthood affect your relationships? Like throughout all of this, you, I'm wondering, maybe you must have like dated other women before you met your wife. Um, and, and if so, and how did all of this impact your relationships and how you are as a husband? Uh, you know, I mean, I think my dating life was very shallow before. I mean, it wasn't, I, I never had serious relationships really. Um, you know, it would just being the person that I was, I was more involved in, in doing drugs and drinking and alcohol and things like that than I was being anything serious. And I didn't feel like I had any foundation or strength to, um, get into a relationship because I was bouncing around because I was addiction, uh, you know, addicted to a lot of things, you know, being alcohol and drugs and things. Um, and so it did affect it just because I, I wasn't looking for it, but I, I never really, um, uh, wanted to get into that situation. It kept me, I think, from getting into a serious relationship for a long time. And even getting married, you know, my wife, we, we, she came from a broken home too. We both knew exactly what we did not want to have in our marriage. 
Uh, but even even knowing that, we still bring things that we saw, you know, growing up. Like, you know, I I I think when we first got married, I was probably pretty defensive because I was always defending myself emotionally uh, and you know verbally to my mom and her boyfriend and things like that. And and so I brought that defensiveness into our marriage early on. You know, and my wife and I, we decided when we got married that we were going to wait five years to have kids, you know, because we wanted to just get to know each other and get rid of that crap that we brought in. And uh, that was probably the best decision that we ever made, waiting five years. And, you know, we went and just experienced life and we went down to Mexico and we built houses and, you know, we just did a lot of traveling and it was just a, a great time. And so I think even today, like, you know, my wife and I, we, we have an, an amazing relationship and an amazing marriage. And yeah, we argue and we fight, but we know from day one that we will not come to that divorce point. We just will not. We, that's something that we committed to before. And, and that's not, not something that we will ever do and or allow our kids to experience because both our parents have been married and divorced multiple times. It was our grandparents that had that solid foundation of being married for 50 and 60 years. And so we're here to break those chains of divorce, addiction, rejection, abuse, and not allow our kids to experience that with changing that legacy. I think that's, that's so amazing. And it's, um, it's, I love, love that you guys waited the full like five years before you started having kids. I think people tend to think that once you get married, you have to like, you know, start straight away having kids and all this, but even after you get married, so the relationships are interesting from when you're dating to like an actual relationship engagement married, when you're married, that day your life with this person starts and you have to get to know your partner as a husband, as a wife, before you can get to know them as a mom or as a dad. So in order to be able to have those, the next level roles of like mom and dad, you have to know who you are as, as a married couple and really get that foundation. And five years is like an amazing amount of time to be able to like spend together and really get to know each other before you go into that next level. So when I'm, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, cause like I came from, you know, a, a home that was not exactly the same, but it wasn't amazing. So when you met your wife and after you guys, you know, kind of got together, was, did you find that it was difficult at all to accept love? No, I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't difficult for that. I, mean, I think like I said, the most difficult part was kind of like, even though we knew exactly what we didn't want our marriage to be like, we, we didn't, the difficult part was communication for me. You know, I didn't, mm. I didn't want to communicate very well. I, I still work on that today, you know, like trying to be a better communicator. And, and I think just because I never saw that. And so we didn't have, you know, people show us how to be communicators or good communicators in marriage. And yeah, we did, you know, premarital counseling and things like that, but it wasn't until we actually got in and, and experienced the mishaps and the miscommunications that allowed us to learn and become better communicators with each other. Yeah. Communicating is, um, is definitely necessary. I think understanding is super important communicating. And then I have a couple of books I can recommend to you if you ever want any on something like that, because yeah, it, yeah. it's definitely like, and I think that a lot of people feel like once they get to the point of being married, that they don't have to, that they're done. And that they don't have to continue working. But even though we're you know, in a relationship like that, we're not tethered to someone and individually, we have to keep working on ourselves and acknowledging the fact like, yeah, like I'm still a work in progress. You know, that's huge because everyone is still a work in progress. And so many people want to be able to have that title of like healed. And it's 
that's not how that works. Like we're never going to be to a place when we're, you know, completely healed. So I think it's great that you're able to do that. I mean, it's, you've been through definitely like a lot of stuff and I'm sure it impacted how you are as a dad now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I remember as a kid, you know, I don't remember my parents ever being at my, my sports games, you know, um, maybe early on, but like in my early little league career, but I played baseball for 10 years. And I think the, the people that were always at every single game were my grandparents. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I knew that when my kids, when they started doing sports or started doing events or award ceremonies or stuff like that, like I never wanted to miss any of those events and I never have. And I make that very, uh, a, a very big important point when I'm, you know, talking to my employer, Hey, I'm not going to miss this stuff. There was, um, two years ago, I was coaching a team and I was coaching my son's team and I had to travel for work. I missed three games over two weeks. And I told my employer that I'll never do that again, ever. And don't ask me to do that. And I said, like, it killed me inside that I missed those games. It was just three. And he probably won't even remember. It probably doesn't remember to this day that I missed those three games. But for me, it was so important to be at those games that as a dad, I never want to do that or put myself in a situation where I'm going to miss things in, in my kids' lives. Yeah, I think uh, when we're younger and we go without and we know how it feels to have people like not show up, yeah. then it's like we don't want to have anyone that we love and we care about ever feel that way. Yeah, exactly. It, it's so, um, it's it's interesting after you've been, you've lived a difficult life and then you have kids and it's like, well, because for me, I got pregnant when I was 17 and with my oldest, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but he is not going to have the same life I had. And it was like, it was a lot of work to get to a place where he never experienced the stuff that I did, which I think is so amazing. And actually last Christmas, my middle son said to me, he was like, thank you for breaking a toxic cycle. Oh yeah. So important. It, awesome. it, yeah, it really is. I mean, their dad and I, we were no longer together. We got divorced, but we get along really well. Cause our main focus has always been the kids. We have three kids together. So we wanted to make sure that they always knew that we were going to be on really good terms. We didn't make it as husband and wife, but we're going to make it as mom and dad. Yep. And that's very important. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, we, they could never pull one, like the wool over anyone's eyes because we were always in communication. So they couldn't, they never got away with anything. So it was, but it's nice to see that like, now that they're older, they recognize what could have happened and like what didn't happen because we were both brave enough to say, you know what, this marriage isn't working and, but let's keep being mom and dad. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely important. And kids nowadays, I mean, they need it. They need good role models. They need guidance. They need all that stuff. Regardless of like what the parents like you or myself have been through in our younger years, we still have to show up for them. And I think a lot of parents don't understand that. They feel like they don't have to change. This is what happened to me when I was younger. So this can happen to them as well. But that's not how that works. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's so good to hear that, uh, you know, that you guys are able to just be, you know, good mom and dad. I think that's the most important. Yeah, that was definitely our main priority. My youngest woke up today. He's in college. He's 19. And I asked him a few questions and he's like, are you talking to dad? And I'm like, yes, I'm talking to him. I'm like, we're in this together. And he was like, oh, so it's so funny where it's like, no matter what they're doing, like we know exactly what each of them are doing on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it wasn't always easy, but it didn't take very long to kind of get it together. And like, 
get to that place because no matter what, like you, but that's the thing is like kids don't see, like when Mike, when we were getting divorced, they didn't look at their dad and think, Oh, that's my mom's husband. They think that's my dad. And this is my mom. They don't see us as husband and wife. So it's our responsibility to make sure that they still see us as mom and dad, the same, you know, the same kind of people. So that's when, when people get divorced and they talk smack about their husband, they don't realize they're talking smack about someone's dad. Right. Yep. So it's, it's difficult when people are angry to kind of differentiate between the two, but you know, it's definitely possible. And I think it's awesome that you, you and your wife are in this relationship and you're both working toward it to make sure that you break cycles in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, it is very, I'm very blessed, very blessed. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And when coming along with blessed is a lot of hard work that you have to put into you to make sure things keep moving in the right direction. Always. Yep. I mean, I have a thing on my wall here that says constant and never ending improvement. So, you know, that includes my marriage. That includes being a dad. That includes me being a business as a podcaster, as an employee, you know, and so that's what I live my life with. And, and I think, you know, always want to just let my wife know that she is the most beautiful lady in the world. And I will always fight for her and always fight for our kids. You know, one thing that I started doing this year, which I think um, is huge and, and it's simple, super simple and just for any, uh, dads out there or husbands out there like i write every single day since january 1st this year and i I should have done it long ago but i this year 2021 i write a note on a post-it and stick it on the mirror for my wife when she wakes up every single day and yeah it's something small it's simple but man i I mean she wakes up and she gets some encouragement she sees that i love her um it's just this cool little simple note thing that uh you know that she really likes to see Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love the, the little things that, that count, you know, it's like the little reminders and things that you see every day. And I think that's amazing. Well, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy day to come on my show and, and talk about your past that doesn't have to define your future. I think all the stuff that you've done has been so amazing. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate you having me on. You are so welcome. If people want to find out more information about you, if they want to maybe hire you as a speaker or if they want to talk to you a little bit more, where can they find you? Yeah, ericallenmedia.com is the website. And then I'm really active on Instagram. It's Eric G. Allen. That's E-R-I-K. And then I respond to all comments and DMs. I also have a uh, free course that I'm offering to all the podcasts that I'm on. It's called, uh, it's just ericallen.com slash foundations. And it's free. Um, but it really helps in, in, anyone that's in business or in marriage. Uh, think about the mental side of promoting brands or building your brand or just being self-aware. So I want to offer that to your listeners as well. It's ericallen.com slash foundations. It's a free course for you guys. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions anyone else has about that. Oh, that's amazing. So all the information that Eric just told everyone, can you can find it um, on the podcast. I'll have everything kind of connected on there. Um that's so amazing. I'm super proud of you. Good Thank job. You. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. That. You are so welcome. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Kelly. Have an awesome day. You too. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast. To find out more information about anything you heard on today's show, please check out BeBraveCoaching.org.